0: Well, happy Mother's Day. I want to talk about survival strategies for mothers, and I'm going to go real brief so you can get out and enjoy the day. All across America today, there's an obsession with watching reality-based TV shows. I used to love to watch The Survivor. The winner would get a million dollars if they were the last one on the island. To win those contests, you had to outwit, outplay, and outlast all your fellow contestants. It was a test of endurance and a fight to the finish. Those who participate had to sacrifice sleep, convenience, and face awful hardships. So what is the name of the oldest, longest-running, reality-based survival contest in America? Without a doubt, motherhood. No doubt about it. Let me give you some famous people and what their mothers really said. Paul Revere's mother, I don't care where you think you have to go, young man, midnight is past your curfew. (laughs) Mona Lisa's mother, after all the money your daddy and I spent on braces, Mona, is that the best smile you can give us? (laughs) Thomas Jefferson's mother, of course I'm proud of you, Tom. You invented the light bulb. Now turn off the light and go to bed. (laughs) Superman's mother, Clark. Your father and I have discussed it, and we've decided you can have your own telephone line. Now, will you quit spending so much time in those phone booths? (laughs) We don't even know what a phone booth is now. Jonah's mother. That's a nice story, son. Now tell me where you've really been for the last three days. (laughs) So let me share, real quick, some survival strategies to help you win as a mother, and not just survive, but thrive. The first strategy is when you find yourself in the outback of motherland, always remember God loves you unconditionally. Mother's Day for many is a good day. You're happily married. You have children. You like your children. They like you. Your mother is living, and you get along with her. Wow. That's got to be a good day. But for many others, Mother's Day is a hard day. Maybe some of you don't have children because you're not yet married, you'd like to be married, so Mother's Day is a painful reminder of your marital status. Others are married, but you don't have children. Some are married, have chosen not to have children, and that's okay. But others have been unable to have children, and that's not okay. Some of you may be in a difficult marriage, or you're a stepmom, and it's not easy. Maybe you're a single mom, and it can get real lonely on Mother's Day. Some of you have lost your mother, and Mother's Day is a painful reminder she's not around. So for a lot of people, Mother's Day is kind of a hard day, but regardless of where you are in motherland, regardless of your life situation, know that every mom has hard days. I don't think being a mom is easy. Every dad that's ever had to keep the toddlers two or more for a day while mom has an emergency is really eager to go back to work and leave it. It is a tough job. There are days you feel like you've blown it, days you've stepped over the edge, maybe made a terrible decision, maybe you've got a regret about it, other days you feel like a total failure, and there are times you feel alone, but I want every mom to know that Those times come to every mom in life. When they do, remember you are deeply loved by God even when you feel unlovable or that nobody loves you. God won't stop loving you. Listen to Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10, for though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, God says, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. There's nothing you can do or fail to do that will ever shake His love off of you. When you feel unforgivable, when you have a hard time forgiving yourself, remember God's mercy never ceases. Deuteronomy 4, verse 31, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, and He will not abandon you. Even when your tribe votes you off the island, remember, nothing can come between you and God's love. Romans 8, verse 38, St. Paul says, I am totally convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor present nor future nor any powers nor height nor depth will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the second survival strategy I want to share isn't just for moms, it's for the whole tribe. That's husbands and kids and the whole family, and it's this. Value motherhood through appreciation. What do moms need to hear on Mother's Day? Well, a survey reported, when someone who knows me well says you're a good mom, I can coast on that for months. Another mother said, I just wish my kids would appreciate all that I do for them. Appreciation. We all want it, we all need it, and we all have to have it to survive emotionally. It's the way God made us. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. You'd be surprised how such a simple gift—encouragement—is fuel for life, and everybody needs it. Appreciation gives you staying power. Mark Twain wrote, I can live off one good compliment for a week. Webster defines appreciation this way. It's an expression of admiration, approval, and gratitude. Yet moms often wonder every day, I wonder if my family really appreciates all that I do. One of the great gifts husbands and children can give your mom or the mother of your children is a simple gift of sincere, genuine, personal, continual appreciation. It's the emotional fuel that they need essential for the journey through motherland. Regular refueling of encouragement, affirmation, and appreciation will sustain you in your role as a mother. Let me prove that. In Proverbs 31, we have this wonderful description of this amazing woman. She's described as an awesome homemaker and a smart, shrewd businesswoman. But the telling verse of the entire chapter occurs near the end, and I think it's the key to what the chapter is all about. It says, this amazing woman has children who regularly rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also praises her. I think that's why she's such an amazing woman. Her family recognizes and appreciates and values who she is on a regular basis. So if dads and kids want a Proverbs 31 wife and mother, you better step up and be a Proverbs 31 husband and children and regularly affirm and appreciate mom. And you praise her all the time, not just once a year, right? Let me read a tribute to moms from author Angela Guffey. This is her book called A Tender Mercy for a Mother's Soul. This is for all the mothers who froze their bottoms off on metal bleachers at soccer games Friday night instead of watching from the car, so that when their kids asked them, did you see my goal, they could say, of course, and I wouldn't have missed it for the world and really mean it. This is for all the mothers who sat up all night with sick children in their arms, wiping up chunks of wieners and cherry soda that suddenly reappeared, saying, it's okay, it's okay, honey, mommy's here. This is for all the mothers of Kosovo who fled the night and can't find their children. This is for the mothers who gave birth to babies they will never see, and the mothers who took those babies and made homes for them. For all the moms who lost over 200 children kidnapped in Nigeria. This is for all the mothers of victims of school shootings and the mothers of the murderers. For the mothers of the survivors and for the mothers who sat in front of their TVs in horror hugging their child who just came home from school safely. This is for mothers who run carpools, who make cookies, who sew Halloween costumes. And for all the mothers who don't, this is for all the mothers who mess up who yell at their kids in the grocery store and stomp their feet like a tired two-year-old trying to get ice cream before dinner. This is for all the mothers who taught their daughters to tie their shoelaces before they started school, and for all the other smart mothers who opted for Velcro. And this is for all the mothers who show up at work with spit-up in their hair, mouth stains on their blouses, and diapers in their purses. Thank you, moms. We appreciate you, and we do. Well, survival strategy number three, let go of the supermom myth. Supermom is a woman who's got a full-time job, attends every one of the kids' activities, is a fabulous gourmet cook, is a great housekeeper, always looks hot, never misses a church service. (laughs) And we call those kind of moms non-existent, right? You can rest. There's a tug-of-war in our nation in the hearts and minds of mothers over that very issue. Even churches get into the game. It's trying to figure out what's the right role for a mom to play. What's right? What's wrong? Should I be a stay-at-home mom, or should I be a working mom? Let me be perfectly clear this morning. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you are a working mom. I, I love the mother. The Mother's Day card that defines motherhood as a noun, it says, quote, an activity that offers all the delights of running a hotel, a restaurant, a school, and a taxi service with none of the worry or bother of having to collect or spend a salary or income. Mother time's a full-time job. As one mom said, if motherhood was going to be easy, it would never have started with something called labor. Yeah, I stood and watched our two, our two daughters being born, Lama's. I thought about it, Mr. Tough Guy. I thought about safe sex, there'd never be any sex. I couldn't do that ever. And I said to my wife, if I ever ask you, well, what have you done today, slap me across the face. I couldn't do that ever. I wouldn't have the guts to get pregnant. I didn't sit out and smoke a cigarette in the lobby. I watched. Whoo! That'll, that'll kind of change your idea about big family real quick. (laughs) Nearly three-fourths of women with children are drawing a paycheck outside the home. And with that huge struggle, man, it's difficult to balance time and priorities. Many working moms struggle with guilt. They have to leave the kids and go to work, and they feel guilty when they have to leave work to be home with the children who get sick. There are some moms who wish they didn't have to work. There are other moms who wish they could go to work. It's complicated. One female therapist said, show me a woman who doesn't feel guilt, and I'll show you a man. (laughs) I'm no expert, but I've learned a few things in pastoring 30 years. The Bible does not prescribe a one-size-fits-all for moms. There is no one ideal model given in Scripture for mothers anywhere in the Bible. There are all kinds of moms in the Bible. Scripture does not condemn stay-at-home moms or those who work, neither should we. God made you unique and different. Some women in here are entrepreneurs and CEOs. Others are domestic engineers. One is not better than the other. You're just different. That's all. Be and celebrate who God made you to be, and quit worrying about being one or the other or criticizing. And all those super moms you think exist, do not. The problem with trying to be a super mom is it isn't realistic. It's not healthy. Now, I'm not a mom, but I appreciate what I read in The Complete Idiot's Guide to Motherhood. The author summarized the struggle with the supermom myth and concludes with these thoughts. She wrote, nothing's wrong with you if you're overwhelmed and temporarily disillusioned by motherhood. You're okay. This is good. Most women don't have it all. They've got a lot, but at different times. Motherhood does interfere with or put on hold your individual goals and pursuits. And last, she writes, a good mother is a woman who is happy with her own place in life. That only reinforces whatever husband is known for century. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And we want mama happy. Author Muffy Mead Farrow wrote, Confessions of a Slacker Mom. She said, you don't have to have it all. You don't have to buy it all. Mothers are saying they've had it with the standards of perfection, from organic baby soap and toddler software to themed birthday parties and SAT preparation camps. The set of demands just keeps expanding, making moms feel inadequate no matter how much they do. So, here's what's really important, mom. It's important to figure out God's call for your life. Not to try to fit into someone else's expectation, but to listen to what God wants you to do. God doesn't clone us. We are unique. We are individually crafted. You are not part of a cookie-cutter, Stepford Wife kind of a program where you robotically do everything the same. God made you unique, so you celebrate who you are and your uniqueness, whether you uh, own a business, run a business, keep kids at home, homeschool, all that. And I'll say this, I lived in the generation where you were put down if you didn't, if you didn't uh, send your kid to a Christian school, and, or then came the homeschool movement, and you were less than an adequate parent if you didn't stay home and, and homeschool your children. I'd be on narcotics if I had to be it a homeschool. I just would. might as well just tell you right now. Never had drugs, but I'm, I would. I'd entertain the idea completely. I couldn't do that. But here's, what's, here's what you fail to miss. Parents, as we're able, should give the best education to our children, give them the best environment we can. Nobody would disagree with that. But think about a single mom, and think about that she may be working at least one, maybe two jobs. And she can't stay home and homeschool. Is she going to lose her child to the devil? Or she can't afford the tuition at a Christian school? So, is she going to be left out? Or another mom does not have the unique gifting to be a stay-at-home homeschooler mom? I just resent that when people act better than others in a church and put that on people when it's not in Scripture. Moses' mother could not take care of Moses. He was taken from her to save his life and taken into Pharaoh's home, schooled in the University of Egypt, not a Christian school but a pagan society, and that mother who nursed him for three years and prayed over him with a relationship with God did not lose her kid. And I want to tell you, if you cannot afford a Christian education or homeschool or any of that stuff, the devil is not going to get your kid. Your prayers will be heard, and God's grace will make up the slack. This is not being neglectful. This means you're just not able, and God's able. That's our backup. That Holy Spirit will guard that child and take care of that child and protect that child. And I came out of a secular education, and God still got me, and He'll get them. So get out of this superiority elitist kind of a deal where if you can't afford that, uh, kind of an education that somehow you 're less than a good parent, and you 're letting the enemy get your kids and by the way, even in christian schools don 't you think for one moment they don 't do drugs, have sex, or get drunk don 't you kid yourself? Some of them have been thrown in there by parents, and that doesn 't make you a Christian. They went unwillingly, but they 're in there. I know a lot about school you i 've been to I agree from two colleges, okay, and Christian schools, and I can tell you a whole lot that isn't written that goes on there. Th- throwing a rebellious kid out of a disabled family into a Christian school will not make him a Christian. That's got to start in the home right there with you, so don't be playing that game. There's just as much corruption in their school as in any other school. Yeah, you may be able to minimize some violence, and that's important, but I'm just saying to you. I believe our children, I pray over our children every single day. I know they're grown, one of them has children, and married, but the point is, they still got daddy and mama's prayers over them every single morning I get up. I fail not to pray over those children. And when Alicia drives to Austin or whatever, I'm, send, I'm dispatching like a, like a major NASA player. I'm sending angels to go with them and protect them, and I'm doing all I know to do. That's all I know to do. And they've got all the protection they could possibly have don't you ever feel like a victim because you can't measure up and do some things that maybe other parents can So the wisest man in the Bible, Solomon, said in Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, moms. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will guide your path. So you don't have to be a super mom. Just be the mom God made you to be. Seek His will for your life, and He promises to guide you into the right path. And last, number four survival strategy. Focus on the ultimate reward of motherhood. Now the ultimate reward on a reality TV show is about $1 million. It's fame and fortune for probably six months. However, the ultimate reward for a surviving, thriving mom is to make a difference in the life of your children that will last generations. A hundred years from now, mom, it won't matter what kind of house you lived in, how many square feet it had in it, what neighborhood it was in, the size of your bank account, or the value of your possessions. What will matter most is that you shaped the value and the character and made a difference in the life of your child. That will matter more than anything else. Moms, you matter. You make a difference. And moms that make a difference invest themselves every day in the lives of their children. God has uniquely positioned you to be the most influential person in the life of your child. You will mark them. You will set them on a trajectory for the rest of their lives. Wilma Rudolph was the fastest woman on a track in her day and won three gold medals in one Olympic race. What a lot of people don't know about Wilma Rudolph is she was born with polio. She had to wear braces. The doctors told her she would never walk. Her mother, a believing mom, said, you will. And in an interview, Wilma Rudolph said, I chose to believe my mom, and became the fastest gal on an Olympic track. Uh, Thank you, Mom. Those long conversations in a car between all their activities makes a difference. When you pack their lunches and put a little note in there for them makes a difference. When you bring your children to church week after week, you're shaping their values, you're deeming to them what's important in life, you're making a difference. You're making an investment in their lives that will reap huge dividends for generations to come. Why? Because when God wants to do something great in the world. He doesn't send an army, an earthquake, a tornado, or an erupting volcano. He sends a child. Before He sends a child, He finds a woman to be the mother to that child. When God needed a Moses, a deliverer, He first found a Hebrew slave girl living by the banks of the Nile by the name of Jacobit. When God needed an Abraham Lincoln, He found a poor, illiterate Virginia farm girl by the name of Nancy Hanks to be His mother. When God needed a Martin Luther King, Jr., He reached down and found the daughter of a poor black preacher in Atlanta, Georgia by the name of Alberta Williams. When God needed a Mother Teresa, He found an impoverished Albanian young woman by the name of Nicole. When God needed a Savior for the world, He found a young Jewish girl living on the backside of a Roman Empire named Mary to be the mother of the Son of God and the Savior of the world. God chooses women just like you, ordinary, average kinds of people just like you, to do something extraordinary in you and through you to make a difference in the world. Of all the mothers in the world, God chose you to be the mother of that child you have. (laughs) When you're about to pull your hair out and commit suicide, you've got to remember God figured you're the only one that could handle this kid that has helped me immensely, that why why couldn't you be born in another family? (laughs) They couldn't handle you. And so as, as hard as it gets, as bad as it can be sometimes, God says, nope, you're the right one for this child. And I absolutely don't believe God makes mistakes. I think you were chosen to be the mother of that child. You make a difference. Focus on the ultimate reward. Every time God does something it comes through a child. Have you ever wondered why going back to the Old Testament they slaughtered the babies in Egypt? When Jesus was born they killed all the children two years old and down under Herod? Because Satan knows his future is threatened by the next generation, and it's always through a child. I mean, all the Jewish scholars were looking for a Messiah that looked like—you remember the movie Thor, blonde hair, big sword, big hammer, a lot of lightning, a white horse charger or something, and God just sent a baby born in a barn. Nobody would have thought. Nobody would have thought that about Martin Luther King, Jr., or Nelson Mandela, or Abraham Lincoln, or anybody else, but they came as a baby. And they didn't come rich, and they didn't get born in the best zip code, and they didn't have country club membership, but they were going to change the world, and the enemy goes after those children. School shootings, genocide in third world countries, Satan hates children because they become the future that he has to fight. And that's why they are such a treasure, and, and why we have to give so much time as believers to focus on the fact God builds generationally. And so he's always thinking about the next generation, and so you have to fight for that child because the enemy will fight that child. So moms, you don't have to just survive. You can thrive. You can thrive if you'll always remember you're loved by God, and even don't feel like it. You still are, and though we don't always say it, you're appreciated by your family. You're going to make a difference. You don't have to be a supermom. Just be the unique mom God made you to be and enjoy it and know that you're making a difference in the life of your child for generations to come. God's greatest desire is for all people everywhere to receive His love and His forgiveness and His Son, Jesus Christ. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.